Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that shocked everyone. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were true crime, history, and the paranormal me. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. And today we are visiting the beautiful Vale Mansion in Independence, Missouri. The 31-room mansion built by Colonel Harvey Vale for he and his wife, Sophia, in 1881 took 10 years to build. It had nine fireplaces, flushing toilets, unheard of at that time, a 6,000-gallon water tank, and a wine cellar. Harvey Vale, a wealthy man, became involved in the Star Route scandal which involved postal officials taking bribes for awarding contracts. Although he was found not guilty in two trials, this scandal almost destroyed him. Sophia Vale only lived in the mansion for a few years before her death, and it is still undetermined whether her death was a suicide or an accident. After Colonel Vale's death in 1895, in a long legal battle with his heirs, the home became a sanitarium, a water company, and a nursing home and then a museum, which it is today. I'm joined this week by Shannon Johnson with Apex Paranormal, who runs Haunted Vale Mansion. But first, please take a listen to two trailers from two other indie podcasts that you should be listening to. Denise, tell me a story. There once was a serial killer. Is this for real? Oh, yes, Zelda. This is for real. Murderous Roots a podcast dedicated to tracing the tangled ancestry of the terrifying. We all come from somewhere. New episodes come out every other Wednesday. You can find Murderous Roots at MurderousRoots.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'm Paige, the host of Reverie True Crime. I tell stories of helpless victims Vicious killers. Predators watching their prey before they strike. Survivors. Petty crimes. People we think we know who do the unthinkable. And the dangers that lurk not only in the dead of night, but in plain sight and the light of day. Every once in a while, I'll also tell stories of the frightening paranormal. Elusive cryptids haunted locations, and conspiracies that may be silly or thought-provoking. You can listen to Reverie True Crime wherever you're listening to this podcast. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Reverie Crime Pod, Facebook, Instagram, and even Tumblr at Reverie True Crime. Remember, stay safe, Be aware of your surroundings at all times, and take care. Can you tell me the history of the Vale Mansion? Yeah, so Vale Mansion was built by, or for, the original owners, Harvey and Sophia Vale. And when the mansion was built, it was built with the idea of it having very unique European structure, because they 
um, both Harvey and Sophia had, they were travelers. So they had gone out of the country and they traveled all over Europe. So when they came back, they knew that that's what they wanted their house to look like. And this mansion was one of the kind in Independence. It was the only one in the area that had both hot and cold running water. It had fireplaces on every level in every bedroom. It even has chrome, like almost chrome looking bathtubs. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, Now, Harvey, he was a part of the star mail route. Now, he ended up in a lot of legal issues because of the star mail route, all because of fraud. And it required him to travel out of town quite often. So as he was traveling out of town, his wife, Sophia, unfortunately got very sick. She ended up with cancer. And unfortunately, while he was out for his final trial, Sophia had passed away from cancer. And um, it some state that she had passed because of her taking too much morphine, like she had purposely overdosed, while others state that she took quite a bit of morphine to minimize the amount of pain that she was in. The only person who knows is Harvey, and that's because Sophia had written a goodbye letter to Harvey, which he had had in his drawer, and after he read it, he put it in the fireplace. She knew she was going to die. That's why she wrote him the letter. You know, we don't know. Um, We know that she had written a letter and that's where some people are thinking that she did it intentionally. Right. um, Because I know. Right. Because Sophia was very alone. So she, um, while Harvey was gone and out of town, she, Sophia was ostracized. She had this amazing painting on her bedroom ceiling and when it was originally painted it's a woman that's just reclined in a chair she was topless and back then that is not appropriate to have a female topless painted anywhere in your home so the society had pushed her away they had essentially shunned her Um, So she had lost all connection with the outside world except for, you know, close family members. So that's why some some feel that she had may taken too much morphine and committed suicide because she was so unhappy. So she did Uh, it, may have done it very much on purpose. Right, right. But Harvey's the only one that really knows. Now, after um, Sophia had passed away, Harvey wasn't too far behind her. He um, he lived in the home by himself. Neither one of them had any children. Uh, he did end up passing away. We're not sure if he passed away in his home or if he did where he passed at, but he did suffer from a major stroke that he had had while working outside in the garden. Um, and he passed not too shortly after he had his stroke. Now, after both Harvey and Sophia had gone, his great niece had taken ownership of the mansion and her primary goal was to provide a place for travelers to rest overnight, as well as trying to run a business selling uh, purified water, purified spring water, um, because there was running spring at the mansion. It business did not go very well selling bottled water. Um, It went 
slightly well for travelers just because it did sit along the Santa Fe Trail. But she came into contact with a physician who uh, brought up the idea of getting together and creating an asylum. So that's where the Vail Asylum came about. And it ran as an asylum for many years and then transitioned to eventually a nursing home before becoming a museum. The asylum treated a lot of uh, patients that struggled with not just mental health concerns, such as like depression or anxiety or anything like that, but they also struggled with like any kind of um, drug or alcohol addiction. They had just your everyday patients needing, you know, day-to-day care on your first and second floors. But your third floor is where it was known to keep some of the most challenging, I should say, patients. One of them in particular, and I, I always love telling the story whenever we do tours, this, uh, the matron at the time was writing a diary and she was talking about a patient that she had to um, coerce away from a window because this patient clearly thought that she was a bird and she was trying to climb out the window and fly. Oh, um, Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was kind of interesting reading some of her journal entries, but they, you know, the, the mansion did a lot of experimental um, medicinal things for the patients to try and cure any whatever kind of mental illness they have. One doctor, he his name was Dr. Van Vleck. He was known for creating medicines out of goat parts. So oh. he we yeah. <laughs> so <I was> like, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how I would feel about taking goat parts as a part of medicine, but I mean, he swore by it and, you know, he would turn it into capsules and he would provide it to the patients, you know, believing that this could help create or cure their seizures or help uh, cure their depression or their anxiety or um, any kind of mental illness that they had. So it was, it was pretty interesting. I'm curious Um, about the journal entries. Are those like you've been able to sit there and read her journal? There were some pages that were provided to me from a prior historical society member. And that that one in particular was the one that stuck out. So I just, she was describing the interior of the mansion when she went into work that day and talking about just the light in the room, what the patients were doing. They were just kind of sitting there you know, looking out the windows, some of them were talking to other patients. I mean, she was so descriptive that it almost seemed like you were in the room with her. It was, it was amazing. There's, there's a few more pages that I still have yet to read. Oh my gosh. I would have devoured them the minute I got them. Yeah. What year, were the, what year do you remember what year those were written? I don't, I don't, I'll have to, I, I'll definitely have to check and see what date that was written for. That's amazing. Okay. So sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're fine. Um, so yeah, so after, um, it was an asylum was, then it turned into a nursing home or, you know, a a final resting place for many of the nearby residents that were just coming to the end of their life and they just needed another place to be where someone else can help take care of them until their final day. After that had closed, the 
he, the historical society came in and they purchased the mansion. And what I really love of what they did was they restored it to its natural look. The furniture is not original to the home, but I love how they positioned the furniture to where it would have been when Harvey and Sophia originally lived there. What happened to the original furniture? Uh, so it, a lot of it was lost in an estate sale because when um, Harvey had lost his trial, he had asked his attorney to go to his home and wipe clean his entire house because he he assumed that he was just in a loss of everything, his money, his home, his furniture. So his attorney went to his estate and wiped it clean except for a few items. So a lot of those a lot of the pieces of furniture had been taken right before oh. his last trial. Oh. Yeah. And this was after his wife had died, I'm assuming. Correct. Yes. Okay. After it became the rest home, it became the museum, you said? Yes. Yep. And it's been running as a museum since. For many, 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 many years, the his, the Vail Historical Society had not wanted to they didn't want the mansion recognized as haunted, which I totally understand because a lot of times when someone assumes that a place is haunted, that's when a lot of, you know, misinterpretations come along and they would push away the idea of having any kind of paranormal team in there. They would push away the idea of the possibility of there being any hauntings the our team i know in particular before i had joined had tried many times to get in there and investigate and they kept you know being told no no we're not interested and just a couple years ago we ended up getting an invite to go in and investigate and share some evidence and we ended up with some really amazing pieces that we shared with Pam um, and Pam, who is um, head of the historical society. She participated in our investigation and it was her that got Sophia to come through in a spirit box, which generates white noise. So it helps spirits to come through and utilize that energy and pick up any words through that box to speak to us. And Sophia had come through and had told Pam that she didn't kill herself, that it was an accident and that she had said that not once, but twice. So that's what's kind of led us to think that maybe she took too much morphine on accident and not with intentions. So wait, what made them change their mind about being not being termed haunted or have anything to do with paranormal what made them change their mind and invite you in to investigate you know i'm not sure i know elijah had reached out to us as a team one night and said hey you know there's another team that is that got the opportunity to go in and investigate um he you know they were able to reach out to somebody and they asked us if we wanted to come out and investigate as well. And then, you know, just kind of share evidence. It could have been more of just to say, okay, let's, you know, if it's haunted, it's haunted. If it's not, it's not. I guess to, there were a couple of members that were just interested to see if maybe anybody can get anything. And once we came across some evidence, and you know, just with communications with Sophia or who we believe was Sophia, interactions with a lot of our equipment. 
it just, it took off and they, you know, some of them, some of them even to this day are still hesitant on it, but I think they found it really interesting that there are, there are spirits there and that there are spirits for us to communicate with. And not only that, but now we host events there. And so a lot of those events they now see as an open opportunity to help raise money to, you know, replace windows to preservation. Correct. Yeah. One year, you know, during COVID, when COVID first started, if Apex wasn't around and, you know, Vail struggled to just kind of keep up with the routine maintenance financially because they couldn't open for tours. So uh, with Apex, we were able to still host events with following policy, of course, it's scheduling private investigations for other teams, we help them, you know, still generate income. And with some of that income, they were able to get exterior lighting installed. Can you tell us what Sophia had said during that initial investigation? Her, you know, she had a very calm voice. And I think the reason we feel that that this was Sophia, um, our our psychic medium, Allie, was with us. And she is very keen on what's going on and who we're speaking with. We call her our our paranormal bloodhound. <laughs> and she was informing us that we were speaking to Sophia. So just with the the tone of voice that she had and I the just the overall feeling in the room, it just it felt like it wouldn't be anyone else but Sophia. But she she didn't really say a whole lot, just Whenever we had asked, you know, did you kill yourself? Did you take too much morphine on purpose? And she said it was an accident. Oh. Yeah. And it's. The letter still throws me off, though. Like, why write a letter? Right. I know. It's. But wait, hold on, hold on. Her husband was out of town when she passed away. Correct. Could she have been writing a letter to send to him? She could have, um, but he ended up finding it in a drawer, in a dresser drawer. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a suicide note. Maybe it really was a letter she was writing to her husband. Right, but some people will assume, you know, and that's where that's where we get kind of tied. And we're like, well, you know, what really happened? Because, you know, he finds a letter after she passes away and they find that she took way too much morphine. So they're going to assume, oh, it's a suicide letter. But, you know, as you said, what if that letter was just, you know, stating her feelings or, you know, that she's sad that he's not there anymore. It said something completely different that had nothing to do with, you know, her. Right. Yeah. It could have been like, hey, we have bills that are due or the dog was being stupid today. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I miss you. It could have been anything. Right. So that's, yeah, that's interesting. So what other kinds of experiences do people have at the mansion? So one really defined experience is that Elijah, and I guess I, I myself as well, had both had. See who uh, Elijah is, because you've, you've referenced him a couple times. Oh, and- sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> so Elijah is, he is our co-founder. We have two co-founders. We have Elijah and we have Eddie. So both of them started Apex with another team member at the time, I think it's about six or seven years ago. And so the only two left from the original team are just Elijah and Eddie. But Elijah, we usually call him like our team lead. So he 
does everything on the team. <laughs> but he had, he had, we were investigating and it was just the team that was investigating. And we had a, another really good friend with us that we wanted to investigate with us just so that way he could get experiences as well. And he, Elijah ended up experiencing a full body apparition, which is something that everybody wants to experience, but it's just so rare. And it was in the basement because in the basement, there is this very territorial figure. We're not too sure if he used to work there or if he used to be a patient there, but he doesn't like anybody in his space. And you know it as soon as you walk into the basement. So Elijah was down there with uh, one of our guests and they were looking down the hallway and it's just completely dark. And what they ended up seeing was a very tall man with short, dark hair, wearing a dark shirt. And I believe like blue jeans or dark pants. And he had his chest puffed out and just kind of moving side to side, like you're in my space and it's time for you to go. So both Elijah and uh, our friend had freaked out and they both had panicked and they're like, you know, did you guys, did you just see that? You know, did we just see the same thing? So they both ran upstairs and each of them told two people separately what they each had seen. So that way, neither one of them influenced the other. And both people came back and reported the same story. So that was really cool. And I guess there was a team of like 15 people that had witnessed the same apparition not too long after that. And they ended up blowing up Elijah's cell phone at like three o'clock in the morning. And so Elijah woke up thinking that they had burned the mansion down because this guy was, I mean, he was freaking out. And he said that they were all in the basement investigating when they all thought that a guest of theirs had gotten up and started to walk away and walked through a wall. And they they saw the same thing. They saw the same thing. They described the, and nobody knows of this apparition except for our team. So we haven't explained or described anything to anybody. So this team had described the same apparition to Elijah that he had seen. So, you know, fast forward a little bit and we're getting ready for an event and I am in the basement and I'm getting ready to turn some lights on. And while I'm down there, something just felt off. Like I felt like I probably shouldn't have been down there. And as I'm walking further into the basement, I see this full body figure just look at me and quickly dip out like oh crap, you weren't supposed to see me. (laughs) So I stood there like, I don't know what to do because I've never seen one before. And I turned around. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I'll see you later. (laughs) Oh, did it scared you? (laughs) It caught me so off guard because I, honest to God, thought there, there was another person in the basement with me. Like the figure was that solid. So I... But when I finally got my brain back, I realized that it wasn't a real person. Or I mean, it was a person, but they were dead. And that's when I went upstairs and I'm like, Elijah, I'm like, come here. I have to tell you something. Crazy. Do you guys have any documentation, like any video or photographs or anything of all the stuff that you, I mean, now there's a lot of people who have seen it. Yeah. So the only, um, the only photograph that we have 
And such a defined photograph is during one of our events, a guest of ours was sitting on the second floor and he was sitting in one of the chairs and the second floor is where Sophia's room is. So it's one of the most haunted floors. And we were all sitting um, on the second floor and our guest had a camera pointed towards the stairs that lead up to the third floor. Now, mind you, there was only a lamp on, just one lamp, and he's taking pictures, just one still, right after the other with his cell phone. And one of the pictures, he had caught a shadow figure of a man uh, wearing a hat, I believe, kind of hunched over, like walking up the stairs. And you can see his whole outline and his hand on the railing. We tried debunking it in every way possible since then, and we have not been able to. But nothing on the guy in the basement? No, no pictures, no nothing. Do you, and no idea who he is? Does he fit the description of of Harvey Bale? no, he Harvey is, you know, he's pretty quiet. He's only come out a couple times. One time he came out during an event and we played a game with him. Um, we had one group on the second floor and we had my group on the first floor. Both of us had a music box and the music box is a shadow detector. So anything that passes in front of it, it'll play some really creepy music. So we had, I had one and then Maddie, who is Elijah's daughter, she's also an investigator. Um, She was with her group and had one. And I, you know, I just asked if Harvey was around and we ended up coming in contact with him because he chimed um, Maddie's music box when I asked, you know, Harvey, are you there? You know, is this you? And he chimed yes. So it's like, you know, keep it silent if it's no chime if it's yes and so once we found out that it was him that we were talking to we got to where he was bouncing in between floors so we were asking him well harvey you know how about you come down here and you hang out with us and so my music box would chime and then i would tell him okay go upstairs with maddie and go say hi to her so then her music box would chime and then we would just turn it into a game but that's really the only time he's ever come out he's usually pretty quiet and did he pass away in the house also i you know i can't say for certain i there's no documentation that i'm aware of that he has i assume that he did but if he had passed away i i wouldn't know where i'm still working with the historical society just because there is so much still to uncover i'm working with them pretty close to kind of uncover more stuff like if you know if harvey had passed away in the house or not and when it was an asylum, is there any records of the deaths that happened there while it was an asylum? Yes, actually. So one year, the members of the society were down in the basement and they had uncovered old patient files. And a lot of these files had stated the patient name and the year that they were there and many of them had passed away two to three days after they arrived. A lot of it could be just, you know, a simple illness. Like one of our locations is out in Blue Springs and the prior owner of that location, he went to Vail and passed away within 24 hours after showing up. 
So it could be for, you know, just any, you know, illness that they weren't able to recover from is that's why they passed away so quickly. Some believe that there were possible lobotomies performed there. There's no documentation on whether there was or wasn't, but you know, then it just kind of makes you wonder, did that kind of thing happen there? Because we've even come across three patients where one of them is a female and she stated that she had a lobotomy done, but we just can't find any hard, solid proof on if that was the case. So the records they found, were they the, uh, the full records of the asylum? Uh, yes, of the patients. So yes. where, are they, where are those records now? I'm not sure where they're at now. I know because of HIPAA reasons, they're not able to share any information about the patients. But I do believe if they have them still, that they're in a safe location. So that way, no one else can get a hold of that information. Oh, my God, I would love that. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, love to go through those files. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be just it would it would warrant a trip there for me just just yes. to sit there and look at all those files. That would be insane. Oh, yeah. Because so often, those files are destroyed. And I thought there was something about HIPAA before a certain time, like sort of like how the census is only available for 72 years or whatever after, what is it? Mm -hmm. I don't remember. Um, After like, if it's a 1900 census, it wasn't available till 1972 or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought HIPAA laws were kind of the same way that something like medical records from an asylum from the 1800s would be available. I, you know, I don't know if they dated, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if they dated that far back, uh, but I'm not sure. And what uh, years was it in an as- asylum again? It was an asylum. It, oh, Man, it was. Well, I'll look well, it up in the needle. Like, I'm always getting my dates confused. I want to say 1898 is when it opened up as an asylum, but I'll have to double check. 1900 became a sanitarium and was converted by attorney Carol, Carrie Mary May Carroll into a nursing home. After Miss yes. Carol's death, the mansion was threatened with demolition. Oh, it was going to be torn down. So it's really only been a nonprofit since 1983. Yeah, it hasn't been. Um, it hasn't been open as a museum for that long. So I'm sorry, then I interrupted you. So what no, other experiences are there? So other experiences, I haven't really, I have most with Sophia. I seem to connect with her really well. And her favorite thing that she loves is the music box. She absolutely loves that thing. So the only thing that I've experienced other than the basement is um, just being able to interact with her and to almost like not, I don't like to focus on her death or why she took too much or anything that circulates around that. And I'm thinking that maybe that's why I I interact with her so well because I just I sit there and I just let her play. And she will play with that music box and it's like it's almost like watching a little kid play with a brand new toy for the first time. And she'll she'll answer yes or no and then after a while she'll just get to the point where um, she'll just start playing with it, and the music box will just go off on its own. And but yeah, that's I mean that's really about it. I mean, really, any of the spirits or entities in that mansion could be from either the veils, or it could go all the way through the asylum to the mm-hmm. resting rest home. It could have been any of those people, right? And we've even come across children as well, and we think that 
the children that we're coming across is there. It's not because they pass. A lot of people assume that when you're coming across a spirit, it's because they have passed away there. And that's not always true. Having a conversation with one of our, we call them our sister team, um, three girls in the dark. Gina had mentioned, you know, have you ever thought that maybe some a place meant so much to somebody that their energy has just remained there even after death? Right, like an imprint of right. experience. Right. So we're thinking that that's why we're coming across these children because Harvey and Sophia didn't have any children. And then it was an asylum. I don't have any records um, or I don't know of any um, of any children there when it was an asylum. But I do know that they've had family visiting when it was an asylum and a nursing home. Right. So what if children just had, what if they had the best memories there visiting a, you know, a family member and it, it just stuck. So it's, it's kind of interesting. There'll be times where you will have nothing but communication with the Vail household There'll be times where you'll have nothing but communication with the asylum. Very rare do we have communication with the nursing home. But I know a few months back during an event, we were connecting with some of those that were residents there at the time that it was a nursing home. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, it's just it. every time we go, it's something different. And I think that's what keeps us drawn there. It's, it's not always the same thing every time we go. So do you have other events coming up in October and November that you can talk about for any of my listeners that live near you? Yeah. So we have, we do have our two more events that are coming up uh, for October. Unfortunately, they're sold out. <laughs> Veil sells out very quickly, but every year, you know, for next year, for those that are interested, we host Halloween events um, and we start off with just doing history tours one weekend the following weekend, it'll be a history tour and a mini ghost hunt. So it'd be about like a 30 minute investigation with a team. And then the final weekend, we have the, your Halloween event. And that's when you will investigate all night long with the team. And one cool thing that we love about our team and the events that we host when it comes to investigations is we don't lead the investigation. We provide the tools to the guest and we tell them like, you're leading this. So we're here to help guide you, but you are the ones that are that need to have the experience. Are there other times that you can rent the mansion just yes. to investigate? Is that yeah. just at Halloween? Yeah, no, you can rent it for a private investigation at any time. Um, and if, you know, you want to have a night with some friends, but you don't want to do it by yourself, you want someone from the, you know, Apex to do it with you, you just shoot us an email and say, hey, this is what we want to do because we get that often. There's a lot of times where, you know, a group of people just say, hey, we want to investigate, but we don't have our own stuff and we don't want to do it by ourselves. So we'll do it with them. And it's... It's a lot of fun. And it um, generates a good amount of money, I'm assuming, for the to preserve the mansion. Oh yeah. Oh yes. And it gets people so interested. Like we even have we have kids now that come to our history tours because now they hear about all this stuff that goes on and so it intrigues them and we have kids almost at every history tour, at any paranormal event. Um, of course, our big events where you investigate all night, you would have to be older. You would have to be 18 or older. But 
it's a lot of fun. And then in December, we don't have anything going on in November, but in December, we're going to have Ghost of, Ghost of Christmas Past, which is something that we did two years ago. And Vail Mansion, what they do is they hire individuals to decorate every single room of that mansion. So every room has a different look. And to say it's breathtaking is an understatement. This It is absolutely gorgeous. So our guests get to come and it's an all weekend thing. They get to come, they get to have a tour of the mansion, see all the Christmas lights, get the history information, and then they have a mini ghost hunt at the end. And we'll do three of those on a Friday night and a Saturday night. So we haven't gotten the link up yet for tickets, but when we do, the tickets will sell out very fast. Okay, so if someone wants tickets for that, where do they go? They would visit, you can visit the apexparanormal.com or you can visit our Facebook page, which is where we keep a lot of our events updated. Um, and it's the Apex Paranormal for our Facebook page. And then if people want more information on just Veil vale Mansion, if they want to look at Veil vale Mansion, where would they go? They can go to um, hauntedvalemansion.com um, or they can visit our website to uh, find out more information or they can visit the Haunted Veil vale Mansion Facebook page. Okay. And do you have an Instagram page for Apex Paranormal? Yep, we do. And it's just Apex Paranormal. Thank you so much, Shannon, for doing this with me. Thank you. For more information or links to social media for Apex Paranormal or Vail Mansion, please visit the episode webpage wherever you listen or go to hauntinghistorypodcast.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.